Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. In this church, we know that you have backed us up. We know that you have carried us. We know that the fruits speak of who we are and who you've made us to be. And I, I give you thanks, Lord for the privilege to serve you and to hear your words and understand what the Spirit is telling the church. And Father, we want to grow up into everything that is Christ. We want to mature to Him who is the head. And if we can't but run with men, how will we run with horses? If we can't but carry on the responsibility at a limited aspect of manly affairs how will we take on the responsibility of the body of Christ according to the grace that you've given us so tonight Lord open our eyes and let us understand these things let us see it in the light of your scripture and I pray Father God that something would be birthed in our hearts for world outreach for the transformation of nations for the healing of the nations, O oh God, the families of the earth, and remove from us the selfishness to live to appease me, myself, and I, that we would be crucified with Christ and the life we live would be lived for His glory. Bless Your Word and prosper it in our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I always think, uh, thank God for the examples that went ahead of us uh, in the scriptures, we see uh, Paul's great calling in Acts chapter 9, verse 17. When God calls him and captures him, he is trying to ask why. He doesn't understand why God is coming against him. And so God has to speak to a man of God. And we're reading in verse 15 first, Acts 9, 15. And the Lord said to Ananias, a mature man, go, for Paul is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles. That's powerful. Understand who you are and why God brought you into this culture and generation. And you're to bear the name of Christ before the world to kings and to the children of Israel, to the people of God. And that's what God is doing, and that's what God desires, not only with Paul, but with you. You are the extension and expression of Christ to your family. Uh, as I was trying to communicate with Argentinians without knowing their culture and their language, um, you need to speak the language of your family. You need to deliver the message of Christ and bear His name before those that surround you. And, and this is what we're doing. Um, the Mexican culture is very unusual. Very unusual. Um, in fact, when I was in Mexico last year, going to the capital city, and as I was leaving the airport, the Lord told me one of the most powerful nations upon the earth is Mexico. They need no resources outside of themselves, but they need to be delivered from idolatry. 
They're right on the border with the United States. They could transact commerce. They could be a powerful nation, but they're serving false gods. They they serve the passions of idolatry, so they're ill-equipped. They're ill. um, They've been robbed. And, and so when we go there, like when we met Jose Medieros and we begin to speak truth into his life and he begins to embrace it and restore his family and over 5,000 families have been restored in the last 14 years because of one man who was reached for the gospel. Just one man. And when we went into Switzerland for the first time four years ago, there was a small group of just five men. And I said, I don't care if there's just two men. If I could gather the hearts of two men uh, we can change the world. And so we went there and saw that one of the five men was a young man about 28 who was the uh, heir to the largest fortune in Switzerland. I didn't know that at the beginning, but after we finished sharing, he came up to me and he says, my life will never be the same. I haven't seen that man ever again, but I guarantee you that that was a divine appointment for his life. And we don't know what's going to happen down the future. We don't know the change of heart that he had because of what he listened. And so that has been going on throughout in our ministry. And again, we have paid a big price because some Christians are so immature, all they want is to stay within these four walls and play, you know, have church. And even the, the, horrible, um, the horrible mindset of some of the men that, who have been in this church, when I come back from a trip... And they ask me, so pastor, how was your vacation? And they think it's funny, but it's not. And I won't even respond to that because I I consider that incredible foolishness in the light of the responsibility we have. But God is using His people and He's going to send them to special places. A friend of mine, Doug Stringer, who's out of Houston, is meeting with the president of Mexico and giving him the word of the Lord. And the president of Mexico and his wife are, are going to Bible study. And they're meeting with these missionaries, friends, world changers, men I want to hang out with. Men who travel not because they're on vacation, but because they're serving the Lord. And so here, God tells Paul and those around him, your, verse 16, I will show him. This calling is not an easy calling. I will show him how many things he must suffer to live this life and this calling. It's, it's, it's a very interesting approach to life that God would call us and send us to the nations. And, and if it feels so, so incredibly insignificant. I still believe that one man can change the world. I still believe that one woman can change her nation, her family, her children, her grandchildren. I still feel that that the wisdom of a woman will either build a house for the Lord or be the destructive force in that house. I talked to Jose Luis Rodriguez, El Puma, the great Hispanic Venezuelan singer, and at the verge of his salvation in 1974, after having an incredible career, he was reached of the Lord and he was passionate. He He was the same as I was. And he was traveling the nations to preach the gospel. And now he was totally sold out to Jesus Christ. And when he turned to his wife, his first wife, his wife told him, no, I don't want you to serve the Lord. I want money. I want performance. 
I want you to get involved in the secular aspect. What a foolish woman. She lost her husband. She lost her house. She lost her three daughters, two daughters. He had another daughter, and that daughter got lost also. And so we see the effects of one woman who is pursuing her husband in a direction contrary to the Lord. The Bible says, remember Lot's wife. Remember, I thank God for Yvette. I thank God for a wife who understands the times we're living. And so we're being able to do what we do because we've heard the voice of the Lord and we've purposed in that regard. And it has nothing to do with money for many times. Um, we, we are just totally uh, at, at, at a normal balance financially, but, but our passion is to be faithful to Christ. It's not the pastor is well off so he gets to do this. No. Yeah, I am well off. But we're not doing this based on our economics. We're not doing this based on our finances. We're doing this based on the call of God. Amen. And to suffer and to, to uh, sometimes concern ourselves lacking in the natural, but knowing the supernatural is always there to provide in an incredible manner. And, and I would say, Lord, I, I need to work as a lawyer back in the days and I would say, but I got to go and be faithful to the need on the mission front and then come back and see God's grace and goodness in the financial uh, arena of work. And, and I, I'm not saying being irresponsible with work. I'm not saying that. I'm saying let there be an expression of where your heart is because where your heart is, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And you could understand that as we travel, it's because our heart is in the hands of the Lord. And this was the case with, with Timothy. In 1 Timothy 1.12, he says like this, I thank Jesus Christ, who's the one who enabled me. He's the one that helped me. He's the one that carried me. And the reason why he enables us, he gives us the ability, is because he saw our faithfulness. He says, because he counted me faithful, and that way he was able to entrust me to serve. That's what he's saying there. What God sees you doing in the local church, what God sees you doing in your family, what God sees you doing in the marriage is, is the qualifications to go and reach the world. And let me tell you, the challenge is huge. The challenge is huge. In a big house, your faithfulness has to increase. And thank God for uh, the years that we developed in the house of the Lord because that's what gave us our strength. That's what gave us our boldness. We, we don't freak out when we go to a nation where we don't know anyone. You know why? Because we're only going there to serve. We're going there to do what we've been doing for a long time and we do it well. And so Paul says, he saw my faithfulness and put me into ministry. Verse 13, although at one time I was a total idiot, I was a proud man. Formerly, I had no capacity to serve anybody but myself. My family, my marriage, my wife, my house, my, my business, my economics. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly. I did that without knowing, in total unbelief. In verse 14 he says, And the grace of the Lord was exceedingly abundantly with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. The provisions of what we give the nations is what we have received. 
We're not, we're not going with empty hands. We're going filled with all the grace that God has poured out as we sought Him for many years. And then this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ came into the world to save sinners. Listen to me. This is where Paul is saying, I'm only following the footsteps of the man who saved my life. What I'm doing, it was only because he did it for me. He went out of his way. He took of his provision. He brought it to me. He gave it. He entrusted it. And this is, this is the birth of the ministry to the nations. Let me ask you a question. What has God done for you? His exceedingly abundantly provision of faith and love. The grace that has been poured out. Verse 15. Christ came into the world to save sinners. I am the number one guy. And when, when he says this in verse 15, I feel the same way. Did you remember the first couple of days you came to church and you felt that somebody had told the pastor everything about your life? And you said, who talked to him? Because you were the target. And if you're in true Christianity, you continue to be a target. God is not looking for another man. God is looking for Orlando Yanes. He's not looking for another man. He's looking for Blas Prieto, for Inea Rojas. He's not looking for another man. He's not waiting on George. He's looking on Joey Torres, on Gary. He's, he has you in the zone. You're the man he's called for this hour. And so Paul knew that. And he says, hey, Christ came into this world because I'm the guy he rescued from total disaster. I'm the guy. I don't have to look around for another one. God is not waiting on anyone else, John Davis, right? You're the man. That's who God has called. Omar Vasquez. He's not bypassing you. And if you're in Christianity, you're right in the crosshairs. And you're the man. And you're the family. And it's your children that God has called to change the world. He's not bypassing. I thank God for Ethan's life. Manning up to the responsibility according to his age. And he's not going to pass off Ethan and look to another place. He's going to look to those people that have acknowledged the work that Christ has come to save and to bring salvation to man. And so as Paul is, is saying, I'm the guy, he says in verse 16, however, for this reason I've obtained mercy that it me, first Christ might be shown the patience that it would become a reality in my life. When we travel the nations, we're not saying, look at so-and-so. We're saying, ta-da, he did it with me, he did it with my wife, he did it with my children, he could do it with you. Now let's change the world. He does it in us first. What is the vast riches of his grace that we have tasted? And, and I hope you don't think that, that he served a banquet table so that you can feast yourself so that you can have your fill so 2 Corinthians 5:14 he says the love that we have received of Christ is our what compels us pastor why do you do this i can't not do this pastor but we we would have such a pretty church we don't we don't have to care about argentinians we, we, you know, Colombia's a mess. Why, why do you go to Colombia? You, you might die over there. 
says, forget Mexico. Mexico's full of narcos, and they're killing each other, and they're beheading everybody, and why, why would you do that? The love of God compels us. If the love of God is not compelling you, repent. Return to your first love. Because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. If Christ paid the price for everyone, just the reasonable aspect is that we die, that others might be reached. And that's what he's saying there. Verse 15, And he died for all, that those who should live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them, and he rose again. I I marvel, and and we all marvel, because Christ has done so much for us, and then when, you know, he turns around and he says, listen, I've given it all for you. And you say, thank you very much, see you later. Now I have a great marriage, now I have great kids, and now we go on to serve the world. Galatians 2.8. For he who worked effectively in Peter for the apostleship to the circumcised also prepared me so that I could reach the Gentiles. And so each one of us have our work cut out for us in the work of the Lord. Um, Here, initially, originally, at first, but then out in the great beyond and so we were even talking and joking around with Pastor Medieros. And he says, you know something, it's 18 hours to Switzerland. And I said, yeah, but for Paul, he was three months in a ship. He was three weeks from one point to another that he might be faithful to Christ. And you don't want to get on a 10-hour airplane ride? Some of us don't want to go across town. Oh, retreat, it's two hours away. Our house, we live in Homestead. That's crazy. How could you expect us to come to church at midweek Bible study? And so I want to give you 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three to 29, where Paul lists the aspects of this is not a hayride. This is not a cherry-picking event. And he says, to be a servant of Christ, all the more, I have worked much harder. I've been in prison more frequently And Jose Medeiros knows what that's all about. As they arrested him going into Ecuador some years ago for 24 hours and they were going to deport him. And the Lord had a purpose to reach the first lady of that country. We picked her up uh, late at night. She was uh, married to the president. And we went to a colonel's house and he signed paperwork at 3 o'clock in the morning. And we went back to the airport where Jose Medeiros was in jail and being held, and uh, he was released so that we could continue on to uh, serve the Lord in Ecuador. And uh, he was in jail in Puerto Rico. He's trying to get back into the country from a, his first missionary trip. And, and we thank God we have a prison expert. <laughs> My friend went into India, Pastor David Freck, and, and they arrested him. And they took all his clothes off, and he sat there in jail. And he said, Lord, what's happening? And he says, nothing's happening. Start singing. This is what a Christian does. This is how a Christian suffers. And he began to sing. And the 
prison guard says, let's get this guy out of here before he converts everybody. And so they released him. When uh, we went to Mexico in, I think it was sometime this early this year, and Jose told me, don't come because they're, they're sequestering and kidnapping people like never before. I said, every time I go on a missionary trip, I've never heard anybody say, go because it's going to be safe. That's not what we hear when we take off to serve the Lord. When we went to Nicaragua, they said they just kidnapped a whole family of, of Christians and they raped the daughter and they killed the men. And the first trip to Nicaragua, the area where God led us to in Hikilio was a Sandinist guerrilla front where the army wouldn't even go in there. And so we've died a long time ago. We're not living what we want, otherwise we wouldn't do what we're doing. We went into different aspects. People are like, aren't you scared that you're going to die? No, we're not scared. We're already dead in Christ. We're not doing what we want. We're doing what God wants. And so here he says, I've been in prison more frequently. I've been whipped more severely. I've been exposed to death again and again. Five times I've received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one, 39 lashes. That was the extent, one more, and you would die. A man could not take 40 lashes. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty four. Five times I was whipped 39 times. 25 says three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger in, uh, from bandits, in danger from my own fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in dangers from the city, in dangers from the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers. I believe if we're going to change the world, we're going to confront danger. Okay, right there you can say amen. This is, not, this is not a call of, of easy riding. I have labored and toiled. I have gone at, without sleep. As we were flying into Argentina after 10 hours, the little boy next to me was kicking me and kicking me. I said, Lord, I'll suffer for you. <laughs> what do we truly suffer? And I just, at 3 o'clock in the morning, as the kid kept on kicking me, I looked at his father and said, I'm going to kill you and the kid. <laughs> Hold the kid's feet. He kept on having nightmares. And, went, and after three, four times, I looked at the father. I said, I'm not trying to be comfortable, but please. And so that's, that's, that's the little things. But the, these are long marathons. Long, long marathons. It says, in danger of false believers, I've labored and toiled, have gone without sleep, I have hungered, I have thirst, I have gone without food, I have been cold, I've been naked. Besides everything else, I face the daily pressure of my concern for all the churches. And who is weak and I don't feel weak? And who is led into sin and I'm not burned with indignation inwardly? So Paul had all these things and these are the sentiments and the emotions of those that are going to change the world. These are the sentiments and the emotions. It's not like my appointment at the spa got postponed. Oh, how horrible. It's not I chipped a nail because I had to mop the floor in the cafeteria. No. This is just the beginning. Acts 4.19. He says that he was dragged outside the city as the Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there having persuaded the multitude 
that they should stone Paul and drag him out to the city. And they thought he was dead, so they dumped him out there. And when the disciples gathered around, verse 20, he rose up and went back into the city. He rose up and went back to the work that God had called him to. And so I want to tell you that whatever we do here locally at the church is only an expression of what we're going to do in the world. And so I, I get to travel with uh, men who have walked with me for 17 years in the gospel. And that's a blessing. Because we, we are one team. And we're not contradicting each other. And we're not arguing. And we're not fighting. And we're not discussing whether we're going to stay or go or be indifferent. We don't have time for those things. And, and Paul also had Titus and Timothy that he could entrust and leave behind so they could set matters in order. Go with me to the book of Titus and you'll see there that what was entrusted with these uh, assistants and partners of Paul to change the world. He says in verse 5, Titus 1.5, For this reason I left you in Crete, a Greek island, that you should set things in order to put those things in place which are missing and find leaders that are going to follow by example as I commanded you. They were able to take the commandment of men and, and fulfill that call. And we can't find those type of men anymore. If you were to expect anything from any man, they look at you like saying, what, do you really expect me to be a part of what's going on? And there's a few men that you could call at any time, at any season. And they're willing to, to move forward in the cause of God. And so in the verse 6, he says, if any man wants to participate and he puts the requirement of the house being in order first. And this church has a lot of young families. And so that's why I know that our season moving forward is bright. Because we have put the family at the forefront of our ministry. And wherever we go in the world, men who have not done that have broken and destroyed families. So we have waited and we're waiting. And we know that, that our, our families are doing great. Our, our husbands, our wives... Their children cannot be on the mission field um, until they go through the first season of that life of preparing a family. Because you know what my greatest representation of our ministry is around the world? Yvette and my boys and girl, my family. And the pastors look on the internet and they want to know, let's see how this guy's doing with his family. And when they see Yvette smile this big, and they see the peace of God on my children, they're saying, we want what he has. We want him to export. We want him to import. We want to import what he has because look what's going on. And so that's why that's there. Because if you don't know how to raise up a godly family in the peace and joy and admonition of the Lord, you don't qualify to represent the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God is joy, peace, and righteousness. Things in order. He says in verse 8, this person has to be hospitable, willing to serve, a lover of the good things, sober-minded, just, self-controlled, holding faithful. All these requirements to be a servant of God. And so Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you see the expression of these things as they grow. He says, you shall receive the power of the Holy Spirit to show forth who I am first in Jerusalem. Acts 1.8. Acts 1.8. First, in your hometown, your family. Be productive where you're at in your church. 
serve in that capacity, develop as Suleika and Joey are training up in the house, in a place of refuge, planted in the house of the Lord. I'm excited about what's going to happen around the world because of their faithfulness. Receive the Spirit to be able to be a real witness in Jerusalem and then in Judea, which is your city. And we've been a, a beacon of light for 10 years as I practice law in this city. People know what we're about because we did it here at home first. And a lot of men are hiding. They don't want to show you what they're doing in their home. Today we were able to go to the police department and sit with about 10 police officers and be able to share our hearts. It doesn't matter if it's Colombia, Ecuador, Argentina, Spain, or Switzerland, or our neighborhood. Our passion is to change lives and to make ourselves available for those people that are around. And so we see that Jerusalem is the forefront, then Judea, your city, your state, your nation. And could you read for me the end of verse 8? And... Does that mean we're supposed to live that for real? Or is that just there? Does God really expect us to expand? Of course he does. And it's a blessing to walk in that commandment. In Acts 4.13, they said, How do these men have the boldness to walk into Argentina without knowing anybody and telling 3,000 men that they need to repent and love their wives? How could they do that? How dare them? But the Bible says that although they were unseemingly not educated, not trained, they knew that these men had a life of having walked with Jesus. What we're doing in Argentina is a result of the life that we walk in in our personal life. It's a reality in in our lives. So we're able to Go with boldness out there. And those people who don't have it as a boldness cannot even preach to their own family members. Because it's not real. And so we have to ask the Lord, Lord, give us the ability to walk with Jesus. To serve here, to serve now, to serve all the time. And that's what gives us the boldness to do what we do, even amongst the Germans. I mean, you know that Germans are not the easiest people in the world. Amen, Jurgen. He's out. We go to Switzerland and we, we tell the men to, to transform their nation. But you need to walk with Jesus first. And so we see the hardships in all these matters. And I want to finish by speaking on this aspect of the... I had one man says, ever since you started going to Nicaragua, I have decided to stop tithing and offering." Because I don't believe what you're doing in Nicaragua. I can tell you that man is no longer here. I can tell you that man is no longer part of what God is doing on the earth. And him and his money is perishing with him. Because he thought that this was something he would finance. And no man's going to finance the work of God. If you won't give God what we need that he's giving you to give. We were sharing in Argentina with a man named Andres Panasuk. And he is a disciple of Larry Burkett with Crown Financial. And he says to one church that he was 
sharing at that he had two, he had good news and bad news to give to the church. The good news is that they needed $10 million. And he told them, the bad news, it's in your pocket and in your bank account. So what I'm trying to say is, let us give God what God has given to us to give to God so that we can do what God has called us to do. And be faithful and know why we're doing it and know why we're called to do it. And as we have been faithful, I'm going to tell you something real powerful. What we've done the last 14 years of this church ministry's existence is to sow and 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 sow. And the Bible says he gives seed to the sower. He's given us, we've sowed it. He's given us, we've sowed it. He's given us, we've sowed it. We haven't gone to these nations to ask for anything. But you know what the Bible says? What a man reaps, that, that what a man sows, that also he shall reap. And it's just a matter of time before we see the expressions. And this happened in Yvette's life a couple of years ago when I had gone two, three years into Peru and then she was able to go with me on this trip and she was able to see the expressions of what we had sown to the nations. And it's not going to be long before the whole world comes here and is going to bring what we have sown into their lives to this ministry. And it's going to be glorious. And the Bible says those that go sowing with tears, they shall return with huge fruit, with dancing and singing. And they will rejoice. And, and, and that's my expectation. Let's stand up tonight. I hope that tonight helped you understand my heart, the ministry's heart, the Spirit's heart, the Father's heart. And that you might say, Lord, make me a servant. I want to be a world changer. We're raising world changers. We're not raising avocados. We're not raising fruits, cakes, and wimps, and cowards. As we were in Argentina, we made a couple of phone calls back to our homes, and Jose Palma called his house, and while we were gone from our families, his daughter went across the street to a neighbor's house for a birthday party, and they asked a five-year-old little girl, where is your dad? And he says, he's with my grandfather and my pastor changing the world. And the first thing that happened when we got back in the airport and they picked us up, that little girl stood in front of me with her little finger and she says, why didn't you take me? I want to change the world too. As we were leaving to Argentina, and I was telling her, Nicole, we're going to go change the world. And she says, Pastor, you got to take me. Because you remember, I was at Stephanie's house and I was playing the guitar right next to you when we were changing the world. And it was at a baptism. She stood there for two hours playing her plastic guitar. And she knows what she was doing. She was intentionally performing and serving at the capacity of five years old. And that puts a, a real serious indictment on us that are a little bit older that still are questioning whether or not we are going to change the world and I'm I trust me it's not a matter of numbers this is 
A long time ago, this has been decided. All it takes is a few serious people that want to do big things for God. Father, we thank you tonight for your love. We give you thanks for your salvation that through grace, Lord, you have bestowed upon us lavishly. How horrible it is that we would walk away with no gratefulness in our hearts and no fruit in our hands to offer you as what you have done, Lord. Transform our hearts. Transform our thoughts, Lord. Lord, let a spirit of gratefulness come upon us. Let an attitude of gratitude be our every breath. Lord, as the pastors go out to change the nations, Lord, we pray that we would be here home as strong and vibrant as we witness to the world of what God has done for us, Lord. Give us the capacity to serve and to love and to lay down our life here as our pastor lays down his life elsewhere as you have divinely appointed. Father, and we know that our reward is not here, Lord. For we shall hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant, when we stand in your presence. Strengthen the church, Lord. Let it be glorious. Let her adorn herself with robes of righteousness. Let her be without spot, without wrinkle. Fill her with the wisdom. Fill her with strength. Fill her with passion. Father, and let us continue in these world-changing travels. In Jesus' name we pray.